Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday morning, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest podcast. I'm Eric Kane, alongside awesome prize, Brett Hubbs, and Rob Lewis. It is ex- presented by Exterior Home Solutions. For a free estimate, give them a call today at 865-524-5888. A whole lot to discuss here on this edition of the VolQuest podcast. And if you are a member of VolQuest.com and the General's Quarters, you got to see a ton of recruiting coverage on Saturday, on Sunday, Monday, uh, today, you know, throughout the rest of this week, a big time weekend of recruiting for the 865 Live. We'll discuss a little bit of that. Uh, and then, of course, the SEC spring meetings down in Destin, Florida. Uh, that kicks off uh, this week as well. So, going to touch on that. But first, uh, awesome price. It was a big weekend for Tennessee. And, and from the looks of it, a couple of days out, it looks like Tennessee kind of moved the needle for some uh, really important prospects. Well, you, you know, they really did, Eric. And uh, when you look at what they were able to get done I, across the board, I thought they. It was kind of a moving weekend. Um, you know, they moved, you know, I think even with Alabama and Georgia for Amari Jefferson, which to me gives Tennessee the inside track going into official visits. Um, I, I think they're someone that, you know, they've made Amari feel like he's a real priority. I'm not sure that was necessarily the case, you know, five months ago. I think that's definitely the case now. I think Tennessee's going hard there. Um, you know, Sammy Brown takes his official visit. His quote was, Tennessee set the bar high you know, for the rest of the official visits. I would still lean Georgia, but I think Tennessee's got a legitimate shot here um, to, to make some noise, you know, if he's going to leave the state of Georgia. I think Clemson's kind of taking a little bit of a tumble, and I think Tennessee has really positioned themselves to be the main competition for the Bulldogs with the next month, uh, you know, a full of official visits going down the stretch. Kingston Lopa, wide receiver, Sacramento, California, I think Tennessee did a really nice job there, um, you know, over the weekend. This is a young man. He's 6'3", near 200 pounds, long arms, um, has really good ball skills, could play safety, could play wide receiver at the next level. Um, I would probably lean the wide receiver, um, you know, but, you know, as a kid that, you know, knows Dante Stallworth. He knows Ontario Smith. You know, they, they all went to the same high school, and Ontario Smith, you know, talks to the kids at that high school about, hey, don't waste your talent like I did. Like, he, he talks to them, giving him his life examples. And that's great to hear, Hubs. I mean, it's a guy that, you know, Tennessee fans loved when they had him. And then, you know, sadly, he, you know, was, you know, gone from the team. But, you know, a really, really uh, neat kind of, uh, you know, kind of comeback story to hear he's, you know, kind of talking to these high school kids. And then, you know, you, you look across the board, you know, Daniel Calhoun, Gage Ginther looks the part. I'll say that. I think the longer that one, you know, the, that you know, Rob, you talk to him, the more you see it, you're like, you know, Tennessee was really smart to get that one done early. No, he's a low. He's six. He's six foot six. He's built like Eric Kane, but in a six foot six frame. <laughs> Except for he's not wearing the uh, Lance Armstrong, uh, you know, Armstrong, baby. jersey. Um, and 
you know, let's talk about the in-state kids for a second. You know, um, Ronan O'Connell, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Clemson. Um, Tennessee, I still think, has the inside track there. But, you know, he, he kind of plays things close to the vest. Uh, Boo Carter had a good time. Um, you know, still expect him to come off the board sometime in June. Feel like Tennessee's still the team to beat there. Edwin Spillman, the same thing. You know, moved his brother Nathan in over the weekend. And then, of course, Jefferson, you know, who, you know, I'll continue to say is just as important as any recruit in his class, just when you look about who you're beating out for him. If you win that recruitment, you're beating out teams that you have to beat on the field. And I think that that all starts with beating them out and recruiting some. You're not going to beat them out all the time, but you're going to win some of those battles. And uh, it's good to see. And then Tennessee's going to take their puncher shots at Dylan Stewart, flipping a Mello Jones from Georgia and, and, you know, you know, Aiden Breeland, you know, out of, you know, five-star defensive tackle out of modern day out in California. You, you swing hubs. It's what you do. You, you, you've got to get the ones that are kind of common sense, you know, to, to Tennessee type recruitments done. But you definitely take your swings. And I think that's where you see Tennessee with a different caliber of player, a different caliber of recruiting weekend uh, for the 865 Live. Yeah, a couple of things that just to, in what you're talking about there. First of all, um, Grant High School in Sacramento, California. Dante Stallworth came off the board first. Tennessee beats out Arizona State for him. And then Ontario Smith was a much bigger deal. But nobody knew who Dante was. That was a fine by former Vol quarterback Jerry Colquitt, who was working in the recruiting office at the time before he went on to the NFL ranks to work for the Seattle Seahawks. But that was a fine by Jerry Colquitt. If, if my dates all add up, I don't think he found him once he went out to Seattle, but he t- he got Tennessee started on Dante Stallworth. Dante Stallworth really likes Josh Heupel, Austin. He really likes what Tennessee's doing. Uh, he's been around the program. He's at the Orange Bowl. He was at the Orange Bowl. He likes what they do with receivers. And so those, you know, people always talk about VFLs and, you know, why relationships and you want to work those relationships. And Josh Heupel's done a really good job with that. And, that could potentially pay off in, in that recruitment because Dante Stallworth feels like he's a big deal at Tennessee. He's been welcomed with open arms by this staff. And, um, you know, you, you just never know with those things. And, and so you always work those relationships because, you know, who knows where a guy lands that has a tie to somewhere, you know, somebody somewhere along the way. And this is a great example, a great example of that bigger picture is, the, the, the volume and the quality, the combination of the volume of athlete and prospect who is here combined with the quality of guys who are here, everybody's wondered, you know, when's Tennessee going to capitalize on, on the season? And look, I don't know how many they're going to close with, but, but they haven't had a day like this in a long time, uh, what they had on Saturday in terms of numbers and quality of numbers that that have that were in town for events like this and that's not a knock on the previous coaching staffs okay i'm just saying when you look at who was here a lot of big time prospects which says a lot about the staff's recruitment the relationships they're building and i think it speaks to the volumes of tennessee success last year on the field 100 percent. and you look back at the last couple of months you look at nate frazier breeland brandon baker lopa now clearly tennessee is making a push in california Lopa's got Polynesian ties to him, right? So, like, he, he, you know, Tennessee's trying to get into the Polynesian, California kind of, you know, uh, express lane. And, you know, when you think about it, Joey Halsey's got ties to California. But then you check off one person on staff who was a key part in all those California kids years ago, and that's Scott Altizer, understanding there's real quality out there. Let's go out there and take a swing. And there's enough of a track record 
of Ontario Smith and, and Kevin Simon and Kevin Burnett and Arian Foster and Casey Claus and Dante Stallworth and Albert Tolina. And you can go right down the list of those California kids, Joy and Battle, um, even some of them, you know, come from the JUCO ranks in California. They all had success here, even though it was 20 years ago, you can still point to it and, and kids are, are paying attention to it. And the biggest thing I caught over the weekend, Rob, and I'm sure you heard it too, was what? Family vibe, family vibe, vibe, genuine, uh, comfort, genuine, comfort level, down to earth. Yeah, it's not all about football here. And I mean, don't get me wrong; it's still they still got to play the game. They still got to win games, right? But like, they just the parents and the kids, you know, and and not every kid wants that, right? Some kids want just straight football. They don't want to deal with any of that other stuff, you know. But some kids really gravitate towards the opposite way, and or or a mixture of both, and. This staff and Josh Heupel just come across as super genuine um, with kids and parents, and and I think that's why Tennessee's swimming in deeper waters. Again, you're going to get bit by the shark occasionally and not get a kid, but for the most part, if they can lend their fair share of these type quality kids that they had coming in, then that's a huge step in the recruiting class for 2023. Well, and AP, just back to the California, back to the California comment. I mean, even a guy who didn't sign here originally, but it, but has made it very clear how much he enjoys being in Knoxville, Brew McCoy. There you, you go. Know, Brew talks about not just playing at Tennessee, but if you go watch Vol Club Confidential, all right, there's a shameless plug, I, I know, but if you go watch his episode, his comfort level in Knoxville and, and how he talks about it, it's a bigger place than I thought it was going to be, you know, and there, there's some cool vibes downtown and some different things like that. Those types of things resonate with kids. And, and, you know, you do have to have a few guys who have ties out there that can sell it, whether it's Joey Halsley or a GA or an offensive analyst or a defensive analyst or a current player like Brew McCoy in addition to those former players. So I don't think Tennessee's ever going to have a pipeline to, to the West Coast. But, but we live in a world where Rob traveling around the country to play football is not you know, is not the end of the world to do. And, oh, by the way, your two biggest schools in California are playing in the pack, are playing in the Big Ten, and they're not playing nine games in the state of California or ten games in the state of California anymore. Yeah, and I just – I mean, not it's not just Tennessee, but, I mean, don't you kind of think the dissolution of the Pac-12 is going to help a lot of people that you know, want to recruit the West Coast? I mean, again, not just Tennessee, but I, I think, you know, USC is not going to take everybody. Uh, and – you know who knows what Oregon, what Oregon's brand name, how that's going to suffer over the next few years. And I, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, there is a you know you're signing five or six kids every class, but Tennessee has has a track record on the West Coast. I mean, there's you know some seeds have been planted over the years. Well, when Tennessee's recruiting their best, and and Austin, I think you would agree with this. When they're recruiting at their best, obviously you have to win to do this. But their footprint is kind of an amoeba. And it moves. Now, there's some there's some standards, right? You, they need to get back into North Carolina. I think you should recruit Virginia. You're always going to recruit Georgia. But look at where Tennessee's at. They're, they're working some ties to California right now. Look at what they're trying to do in the Midwest in, in Missouri and trying to do some things. When you look at Tennessee through the years, when Philip Fulmer had it rolling, it wasn't out of the question for them to go a little bit outside of the traditional footprint, if you will, to go get football players. And I, I think when Tennessee's at their best, they can do that because they are truly a national brand. And I think they're moving back into that direction, which is why 
a lot of people are excited and should be excited about where things are right now. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I mean, you know, I love how you used Amoeba, but I mean, it's so true. Like you have to kind of move around. Like you can't just go say, Hey, we're going to recruit Mississippi every year. Some years you don't want to recruit Mississippi. Some years you do. Some years you don't want to recruit Virginia. Some years you do. Occasionally you will dip into Kentucky. Occasionally not. So like, you know, hundred percent, you've got to kind of find the weak spot uh, across the board. And that's what they've done a nice job of. And again, you know, you got to kind of let the chips fall wherever they may. Like everybody panicked over Jaden Riddell. Again, if they miss on all these guys, then there's room, room, room for panic, but who knows? They may end up landing a few of these really high end players. Kind of on that note, obviously that was the the big talk this week. Tennessee's one of the Tennessee's top targets overall, obviously the top of his position and tight end committed to Georgia. And you got uh, Amir Jackson on campus. I'm not going back and watch the video you guys did with him. He just kind of said, hey, I mean, essentially, I didn't know what to expect. I got here. I really, really like it. Seems like Tennessee going to be really interested in now Amir Jackson. Of course, the tight end position seemed like he had a good day on Saturday. Yeah, he did. And Tennessee's going to you know, likely get in the kid out of Utah, Roger. And I'm going to pronounce his name because I don't want to butcher it. Um, um, you know, probably the second week of June unofficially. But both those kids look like they're going to go into the fall and not make a decision until – you know, we're talking November, December type uh, range. So, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see how all that plays out. But, you know, getting Amir here was big. And I asked him point blank, I said, you know, all these people just kind of have you pegged for Florida because you were Florida and Georgia at the top. Now Georgia's taking two tight ends. You're not one of them. I said, what do you say? And he goes, well, you, you can believe that if you want to. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I mean, he, he, he clearly is going to, you know, take his time. And, uh, you know, and probably the right thing to do. I mean, he's a basketball kid that's, you know, you know, morphed into a football prospect and is getting more and more interest by the day. Well, and, and that's that position is that's what that position is all about now. Right. Is is it's become basketball players because because a lot of those kids in high school, Rob, are seeing the game of basketball where you're a positionless player in, in the pro ranks. And so, hey, go try football and, and football has a little success there's a better path for you long-term athletically in some cases as a tight end, whether you're Ethan Davis or whether it's Amir Jefferson, because you're not playing, you're not going to go translate your power forward back to the basket game that you're playing in high school and turn that into a pro career. That's just not where the game's at right now. No. And, and, and historically that's probably, you know, always maybe always been the position that cross, cross training for lack of a better term, but I remember back, Golly, what's it been, Hubbard? Fifteen years ago, when Bruce Pearl, I remember, called Coach Fulmer. is like, "Hey, we've we've got a kid, you know, over here in team camp that you guys need to take a look at." It was Luke Stocker. Yeah, how, how that good. all started. You know, you go back to Antonio Gates and a long list. But I think the way the NFL game is changing is, is making that more prevalent. Like those, you know, those those guys. You know, you don't you don't see any six six, two hundred fifty pound, you know, maulers anymore. Darnell Washington being an exception, but. I mean, lots more, you know, flexing out, playing in space. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Amir Jackson, I mean, you, you see him, you, you think, you know, he, he got lost from basketball camp. But uh, yeah, he, he actually, he looks the part. So Tennessee moved the needle a little bit for four-star running back Daniel Hill on Saturday. That story's up at VolQuest.com. But Austin, Tennessee did finish. Tennessee did cap off the recruitment of Peyton Lewis, picking up that commitment on Saturday before the end of the 865 Live. And uh, it's, it's a highly rated four-star uh, running back. Tennessee won and Tennessee got. Yeah, the, the more I'm around Peyton Lewis, the more I'm impressed by it. You know, very smart, 
he's a bigger kid than you think he is. I mean, he's a legit six and one and, you know, he's about a little over 200 pounds, um, you know, verified 10, 500 meters. And, you know, again, I just think he's super polished and handles himself a certain way. Um, and then Daniel Hill, I mean, Tennessee, again, did what they were supposed to do. They showed him enough to make him think about Tennessee. Now, does that mean that he's back for an official visit? I think he likely takes an official visit in the month of June. Does that mean that they can catch South Carolina and Alabama, the other two um, schools that I think are in the top three for him, as he said, uh, after the A65 live event? I don't know. We'll see. I think he needs another strong official visit for Tennessee in that conversation. He's been to South Carolina a ton. Alabama's not too far from where he lives. And uh, he's a bigger back. He weighs 234 pounds. He doesn't look 234, but he weighs 234. And like Braylon Russell, doesn't look 240 or 250, but weighs that and can move like a 215 or 220 pounder, just like Russell can. So Hill's a special player. Russell's a special player. And uh, Tennessee, I think, will continue to recruit them and, and Nathan, Nate Frazier out in California at Modern Day and one or two more. And we'll see who they can pair with Peyton Lewis. Peyton Lewis, though, very – very, very uh, talkative about wanting to add a second back to this class and helping Tennessee do so and recruiting that second back. Yeah, Daniel Hill said that he was going to – said whenever you guys talked to him on the video, said that he hadn't had a chance to talk to him that day, but said he's going to text him and ask him why he committed to Tennessee. And so, you know, he's going to be uh, doing his part to recruit there, uh, recruit another back there with Daniel Hill as well. Um, before we shift gears over to the SEC spring meetings, anything else that stands out? Of course, we got videos, we got stories – uh, tons up on the side, tons more coming up this week. But anything else that stood out from the A65 live event over the weekend? No, I just think Tennessee continued to set the stage for their official visits in the month of uh, June. Um, you know, building on that with Amari Jefferson, building on that with potentially Daniel Hill, building on that with, uh, you know, a Daniel Calhoun or Cam Michael. So forth. Cam Michael, who uh, That's you know, what I, thought, I thought he was a Georgia lock. I mean, I don't follow well, as much as you guys do, but the, I, don't, I didn't get that impression after talking to him. Well, the thing about Michael. And, and this is kind of where I'm like, you know, he, he set his official visit date of November 18th. When they play Georgia. When they play Georgia. And if I'm Tennessee, I don't want him to take a visit that day. Like, <laughs> you know, if, if your main competition is Georgia, why would you want him to take the official visit for that game? Like, I, I wouldn't if I was Tennessee. And I wouldn't if, if, if this was a Tennessee kid and going to visit Georgia for the Tennessee game, I wouldn't want it if I was Georgia. So big weekend over on campus for the 865 Live. It's now one of the biggest days on the calendar for Tennessee football. It was a big weekend last year. Just it was a big, big weekend this year. Just as big as your birthday, Kane. So what? Uh, just as big as your birthday. Just as big. And uh, we'll, it, we'll see if we'll see if more commitments. Crazy. It is crazy how these events have just kind of evolved and become, you know, such a, such an important – I mean, such an important piece to, to what you do. I mean, it's kind of – it's kind of strange because there's so many junior days and there's so many things, but I guess because these events are so unique AP that, that it's become you know, unique in the fact that it's so not about football and it's, it's, you know, it is kind of a family and prospect hangout deal. It's kind of crazy that they've become sort of what they have around the country. hundred percent. And, and I think every kid, when they get here, they're like, what is this kind of hokey BJ's ballers and all that stuff. They have all these team names and then they start doing the scavenger hunt. And then the competitive streak kicks in, right? Like nobody wants to lose, you know, like the, the looking cam fountains face when he said, let me finish seven. 
you know, like I mean, it was like just like just like so like disappointed that his that 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 Rodney's team finished seventh. Um, you know, but I, I think that's where it kind of you know turns into like a competition, and then all of a sudden some camaraderie, and like you know, you may think it's hokey that they're going to play putt putt or they're you know going on a scavenger hunt or or doing a talent 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 show, but then when you start like inserting like creativity and competitiveness and all that it ends up like being a melting pot for kind of a fun event and you know kids like it so plenty more coverage of that 865 live uh, talking with recruits on campus once they got home all that coverage you can find over at ballquest.com uh, we're gonna preview the sec spring meetings uh, the big things to come this week here in a moment as the ballquest podcast continues but first a proud sponsor from our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SEC spring meetings down in Destin, Florida. It feels like we've been circling the state for a long time. We know that Oklahoma, we know that Texas is coming to the SEC for the start of the 24 season. And when that happens, scheduling has to change. Uh, Brent Hubs, are we going to finally get a resolution on the football scheduling by the time those meetings wrap up in Destin this week? Uh, you know, I don't know that you are. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a lock that they would. Um, maybe they do. Uh, I, I think those are that that room uh, that that discussion at the coaching level, the AD level, uh, chancellor president level um, is going to be a really fascinating discussion all, all week long because the the general consensus is out there has been it's a ni- it's a lot to be a nine game uh, to be a nine game schedule that's been the consensus for a year basically coming out of last year's spring meetings was that was the direction they're going. We know there were two or three teams a year ago, Austin, that were like, "Yeah, we want an eight-game schedule." But you're like, "Okay, you can want," but there's too many other people who are on board with a nine-game schedule. There, it doesn't seem like it's nearly swung that way. It's, it's, I don't want to call it fifty-fifty, but it is much. It is much more vi. An eight-game schedule is much more of a viable option than I ever dreamed it would be as they get ready to discuss it in Destin, Florida. Well, what you've seen, I think, is, you know, as you, you pointed out, there was about three schools. I think it was Ole Miss, uh, South Carolina, and Tennessee. I know for sure um, it was South Carolina and Tennessee. I don't I remember. Maybe it was somebody else said Ole Miss. Either way, like, there was only, like, three. I think what you've seen is this morph because a bunch of schools aren't happy with their three their three permanent opponents. And so, like, it's, it's not fair. It's not – Alabama, Nick, Nick, Nick says it's not fair. He's got to play LSU and Tennessee. All of a sudden, Tennessee's not a pushover anymore, and he's got to play Auburn. It's just not fair. Well, I mean, that's fine. Then it becomes easier on Tennessee. If Tennessee gets Vanderbilt, which I'm 97% positive they will, 
that's a huge win for Tennessee because that means you only go to Tuscaloosa once every four years. You only go to Athens, Georgia once every four years instead of every other year and having them on the schedule every year. That's a huge win for Josh Heupel and the Vols, which is why the Vols voted for eight games a year ago. So if this thing comes back around because some people all of a sudden didn't like they, their permanent three opponents, it's a big win for Tennessee. It was going to be a win for Tennessee regardless because they weren't going to have Georgia and Alabama on their schedule every year, the top two teams in the league for the last decade. But now it becomes a real win if they go to eight games. And I think well, I think because of the, some of the shift, if, you, if you're going off the, the not logic and the notion out there that, that Nick's pushing all this, I think it could get done this week. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, I think the interesting thing is you've got, Rob, you've got a group of coaches who are looking at it solely from a competition standpoint. I think that's their level of looking at this thing, whether they like their three, they don't like their three, whether they like nine, whether they like eight, whatever. That's where they're at. Okay. Well, everybody else was saying nine. I think people above them, AD, President Sevels, were all saying nine. Now you're getting wind that the the ADs and, and maybe some of the presidents are like, wait a minute, if we're going to play nine, the TV deal needs to be different. You need more money that way. So now you've got two layers of people that are questioning playing a nine-game conference schedule, which makes this a lot different than where it was a year ago when it was just a few coaches saying, wait a minute, we really don't, not sure we want to play nine games. Now you're bringing in another layer of people in there because you're bringing the finances into it. Yeah, and I wonder where ESPN is with all that. If they're just like, hey, you know, you you signed the contract, you know, whether – you're playing eight SEC games or, or nine. I mean, that, that's a that's an aspect of it I'd like, you know, we probably will we'll never find out, but I am sure that ESPN has an opinion. But I'm, I mean, I'm with AP. I mean, it, it could turn out to be a win for Tennessee, but I, I just never thought eight was a realistic option. I mean, it just seemed like nine, seemed, especially with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, I, I thought nine was a no-brainer. It's surprising to me that, it apparently is not. I mean, it just feels like it's a no-brainer because you're expanding the college football playoff, and you have 16 yeah, teams. And I mean, I could I could have seen that being a real, you know, point against, you know, if you keep it at four. But the way where it's going now, I just, you know, I, I wouldn't think that's a factor. Well, it just means more, right? I mean, it just all of a sudden that it was going to be a nine-game season. So I, I don't think know. We'll see. Here is it's either going to be nine and one or eight and one. I think nine and zero is the last option here. Don't you, Hubs? I just think you, well, explain, explain the power zero five game. No, no non-conference power five. Game. Yeah, I think right. nine and zero uh, locked in power fives is 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 last out of this deal. I think it's going to be eight conference games and one power five guarantee, or nine conference games and one power five guarantee. Now, as you and I have discussed, Hubs and, and several people have told us, the real bugaboo here is the nine and one that means nine conference games plus one locked in power five probably gets you more money to the table because the sec or the espn has been used to paying basically for nine anyways they paid for you know eight conference games plus florida playing florida state plus clemson playing south carolina plus tennessee playing a you know let's say this year virginia you know or alabama playing michigan or whoever um like the nine and zero this doesn't get espn and the espn contract you know, any kind of extra goody goodies, right? Like, you know, there's, there's just, it's just different. Yeah. And, and here's the, here's the interesting thing back to the TV conversation, Rob. And I have no idea. This is total speculation. Eric, you can jump in here too. If you're a TV executive and, and you're sitting here looking at it, are you more interested in nine games in the conference 
are you more interested in eight games with that you've got to play a power five opponent because every other year, or at least when that's a home game at the SEC school, then that's going to be your right. That's going to be your broadcast right. So if you're, say you're Alabama playing a Big Ten school, you're going to get that Big Ten school on your network. How much does that, how much does TV executives look at that and like that more than the idea of you just play nine SEC opponents and you don't play those, you know, those, those games outside of your conference against the big power five teams? Well, I mean, I think Hubbard, if it's, you know, Alabama versus Ohio State, that's one thing, but it's, but I mean, you know, as well as I do, most of it is going to be Mississippi versus Sanford. No, not if it's a power five. Well, you're, I mean, if they, if they, if they make them guarantee, well, not Sanford, but they could still be, you know, Northwestern or somebody. I just don't think everybody in the league is going to go out and schedule aggressively. Whereas if I'm the SPN, I, I would feel better about just locking in nine SEC games. Well, and how much does this thing get blown up in the next two or three years if all those ACC schools disband and they, you know, join the SEC and Big Ten too, right? I mean, like this whole, I mean, like this whole like eight and one, nine and oh, like this could be so short lived, like long term. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it's it's revolutionary right now. We could, you're right, AP. We could be sitting here in two or three years talking about, you know, how quaint that was to think about a little 16 team conference. (laughs) (laughs) I do think no matter what, though, there is going to be the plus one there because it's such an easy way to get that other power five in there and preserve you know your georgia georgia techs your kentucky louisville's your uh clemson south carolina your florida florida state and so on and so on there's so many of those you know more than you realize across the sec it's an easy way to keep those rivalries those insane rivalries keep power five and plus you know the, the the revenue that comes into it here's a question i have and i'm sure none of us know the answer if they don't come to a resolution this week, I mean, when will they? I mean, it, it still feels like it's forever away, but, you know, September, it's going to be a year, and then they're here playing football. Like, when do they have to have this done? Well, I think they have to get something done by the end of summer. I mean, I, no. I, I mean, I just think they have to get moving because of the timing that, that you're talking about. Here's where here's where Greg Sankey's uh, – and, and he's going to come back, and this is – I'll give Greg Sankey a ton of credit because this is his out for a lot of these things. Look, I oversee the league, but the league makes the decision. Whatever y'all voted for is what we're going to execute. In other words, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you what to do schedule-wise. That's not my job. You guys are voting for this as a league. He's used that a million different times, you know, right? Th- through the years talking about things. But he's also got this on 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 his kind of he's talked about this. And, and and there's two things. One, the idea of a kid going to school, and in four years, if he stays for four years, he plays at every venue in the league. Okay? So he doesn't leave and say, hey, I never got to play in Austin, Texas. Yep. Or, hey, I never got to play in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And, and, look, for, for years with the divisions, there were a lot of kids that, that they didn't play in those venues. You know, not Austin because Texas wasn't in there. But maybe in their four-year span, they didn't go to Fayetteville, Arkansas, or they didn't go to Baton Rouge or whatever the case may be. So he's talked about wanting to do that, which I think is a pretty cool notion. He's also talked about the importance of preserving rivalries, which you can't do if you stay at an eight-game conference schedule. You can't do both of those things. You can't preserve enough of your rivalries and get the kids at every venue in their four-year period if you're at eight conference games. 
It's just not going to happen. I mean, George, Georgia Auburn is a great game that in eight in an eight conference game schedule with no divisional play and, and no locked in, only one locked in rivalry, that game's not going to happen because Auburn and Alabama are, they're not going to eliminate the Iron Bowl, but some other rivalries are going to, like the Egg Bowl will get preserved. The Iron Bowl will get preserved. But outside of that, you know, not everything's going to get preserved. And so the, the question is, where do you balance those traditional games versus just letting them go and only playing them, you know, once every couple of years or once, you know, I guess it would be once every couple of years as opposed to playing them every year. Um, I think that's an easier thing to get past than it is the idea that kids don't play in every stadium in their four-year career, which is why I think the eight game the eight game is a possibility where you go seven, where you go seven and one common opponent every year, because you still get every kid to play in all those venues. And you're playing that rivalry game every other year instead of every year. Right. Thank you. The tiebreaker. If it, if it goes eight, eight, if the vote is eight, eight, right. Cause obviously Oklahoma and Texas are voting on this as well. Would Greg Sankey be the tiebreaker? I don't know. I mean, that's good. I get. I guess in theory that he would be. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, would make bet, sense that he would be because I, I was, bet he was, was. I would. I bet he knew heaven and earth to try and avoid that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, mean to, you know, you know, back back room negotiation need, with you know different presidents. I don't think you're walking in the room without knowing what the boat's going to be. I think yeah. you're right, AP. Yeah, but and here's the thing too. I mean, it's not just. It's not just football. I mean, basketball's set, right, Rob? I mean, they're they're pretty much. I don't think they're going to change basketball a whole lot, right? Well, I mean, there's going to be an adjustment with Texas and Oklahoma. I think the adjustment is going to be. I mean, they're going to have to play more games, and you're seeing this in the ACC and Big Ten right now. It's going to be it's going to become really really hard to schedule really good non conference games when you're playing. I mean, I don't want to get off topic, but I mean, I talked with Coach Barnes about it. But it's part of this topic. I mean, yeah, but. because are they going to go? What they play eighteen games now? Yeah. What's the league? Are 18. they going to twenty? Are they? They're, go they're, it's going to move up when Texas and Oklahoma come in. I mean, I, that's not been written in stone yet, but it's almost going to have to. You know. But are they going to keep the two natural rivals? That's not not been decided yet. But I mean, okay. in, unless I'm unless I'm badly mistaken, I don't I don't I think that's going to be something that is talked about this week, but I, not nearly, you know, as important as the football stuff. No, I, I mean, it's not, but it is. I mean, I think you're going to see conference basketball games played pre-Christmas. Well, like, like you're seeing now. ACC. Yeah, ACC, I think it's Big gonna, Ten. I think it's going to get scooted up even further, Wait. which goes to your point, Rob, about playing those big non-conference games. You're going to play non-conference tournaments like Maui and Bahamas yep. and New York and all those things, and then the rest of your non-conference is going to be that stuff's going to dry scrimmage up. Games. And it's dried up now. I mean, I, I've talked yeah. with Rick about it. I mean, it's just, you know, trying to schedule North Carolina when they're playing, you know, 20 ACC games. I mean, they're not, you know, not interested in that Michigan state, you know, just uh, which, a lot of which, those people are going to be that way. Which again goes to the point that you were talking about Austin, that if you go nine conference games, how hard is it? If, and you say, we're going to keep the power five, the one power five in there. How, how realistic is it going to be that teams are going to schedule home and home with, you know, Oregon or a home and home with Michigan or a home and home with Ohio State versus, hey, we'll, we'll do a power five team who's traditionally not really good 
you know, and then we'll do our three deals. That's part of this equation in scheduling that I think gets discussed on the football side of things, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, you know, if you're, you know, anybody in the league, does it behoove you to schedule an, another high-end team? Or do you schedule a Boston College or a Purdue or a Wake Forest or something like that? Somebody that, you know, is quality but not, like, super quality, you know, I mean, as far as, you know, you could lose. But, you know, more than likely – you have a good chance to go win those type of games. And, you know, I, I just – I'm fascinated to kind of see how all this plays out. I also – the other question I want to ask this – I want to ask this week is with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league, um, you know, how will they do that a year from now? Because technically they don't become part of the league until July 1. Well, guess what? I've talked about this with Hub, so he knows where I'm going. Right now, you have to declare before February 1st to transfer within the league. Well, in theory, next year, there's kind of like that dead man's land for like a kid from Oklahoma could go to Alabama or a kid from LSU could go to Texas because they're technically not in the league. So does that does that rule change for next year? Because, I, you know, I don't think it would happen a ton, but I think there's obviously – options there for it to change let's say like one of those texas quarterbacks they've got three after next year they decide they want to leave after spring like they could in theory go and be the quarterback at auburn or mississippi state or whatever under the new under the current rules i mean that rule's got to change it's got to change yeah yeah i think that i mean you're talking about screaming a lot of foul you know that that whether it's a guy, whether you're, I mean, just, I, I, I don't know if it's on the, how many, how many people have it in their crosshairs right now? Yeah, I don't, you know? I don't think anybody's thinking about it. What I'm, you know, but, but that's, yeah, that's over the course of the next six, eight months, that rule's got to get changed for protection of the league. I mean, I mean, I think that you have to. I mean, you know, tampering's such a big deal, right? And I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like, if you're Texas and you could go and cherry pick two or three really good players in the league before you technically get into the league, that would be interesting. Yeah, it absolutely would. Same, same on the vice versa. If yeah, you're right. if you're Alabama and you want to go get, you know, somebody from Oklahoma and, and somebody or Tennessee and you want to go get somebody from Oklahoma and Texas and pull them from, um, you know, that's yeah. I think that when somebody's got to say, hey, wait a minute, they, they've got to fall under those rules. You know, I, I think their football calendar, whether they're an official member of the league or not, their football calendar has to start when bowl games are or January one yeah. of the year what that they're coming in. I think they have to fall into that. Let's go around the room real quick uh, as we are set to say goodbye. Prediction time, Austin. Do they get it done this week? And what is the final resolution? Yes, eight and one. Brent. I tend to lean. I tend to lean towards eight and one. I'm not sure it gets formally announced this week, though. I'm not convinced of that. I'm. I, I thought it was a done deal, but because Hubbard's been so skeptical this week, I I don't think it gets done this week. I think they kick the can down the road to to steal his phrase from AP. I will stay consistent and say it gets done this week, and it'll be the nine one, just to be different. But yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that. I think if you're college football, you don't want to lose out on. Michigan, Texas, and Tennessee, Nebraska, and like I, I just, I mean, I'm all for the conference games, and I get, you know, t- you know, the SEC's adding a couple more, but you know, I, I love home and homes, um, and I'll continue to, you know, 
beat the drum of Danny needs to quit scheduling. I, some of it's been out of his control. Like Virginia was out of his control. There was another one that was out of his control. But got to get back to home and homes. These these fans don't want to go to Charlotte, play West Virginia, and they sure don't think about Atlanta when they play Syracuse. Yeah, here's here's the interesting question, and, and I know where Tennessee fans are with Alabama. The older guys want to play Alabama, and everybody goes, "Hey, see why you play Alabama? Look what happened in the, in this past October." There's some there's some people who say, you know what, it's unfair. You know, let's lighten the load and and not play Alabama every year because it's it, it's been unfair to Tennessee. I, I get all that, but I think there's enough people that say, I want to keep playing Alabama. There's a lot of Auburn people and Georgia people who say, we want to keep playing that game. I think if you poll mo- a lot of SEC fans, they would rather keep their in-conference rivalry intact and less about playing a home-and-home home with somebody else. I know it's cool to go to other venues, you know, but I, I think there's a lot of people who would really like to keep their traditional games intact if they can. They don't have a vote in this. But I, I, you know, I like going to I like going to unique places. But I think a lot of fans like the tradition of playing their rival that's been their rival for a hundred years versus not playing that game every year. But but you know, the fans at the end of the day aren't getting a say in this vote. Which, which is why both sides can win if you go to the nine and one. That's well, you're absolutely right. But again, but the I problem. Just, you got you got some people you got you know a if you go to nine and one what's that one going to be is that one going to be games that you really want to go see and travel to okay um and remember this too if you're if rob if you're a playoff team a consistent playoff team a lot of fans are saving their money for mm-hmm. playoff travel right which, which just got another week you know, right you know now some of those will be, you know you could be a home you could be a host school Okay, but somebody's traveling, and potentially somebody could travel three weeks in December, you know, for for playoff stuff moving forward. So um, there's a lot of different elements and a lot of different factors there. TV doesn't have a vote, but the vote will have some TV thought in mind, you know, what's good for the game beyond just putting some fannies in the seats. And and all these variables, there's so many of them, I'm not sure they work to a resolution between today and Friday – you know, payday, hand out big checks. We're great. It just means more. We're rich day that, that Friday has traditionally been at the spring meetings. Look, look, guys, look, it's the Arc de Triomphe. We finally <laughs> made it to the end in Paris and the Tour de France. <laughs> poor old, poor old Eric will never wear He'll never, he'll never wear the yellow shirt again. I'm just glad we can't see the spandex shorts, guys. <laughs> you, you know they're on. <laughs> that's, that's blessings. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I know too. If somebody were playing a drinking game based on 100, percent they would be smashed at the end of this podcast today. 100, percent right, AP. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing out the door, Brent. Um, any anything new with the uh, investigation with the, with the hearing with the NCAA you're getting a couple of weeks into it going towards about the month of June anything new to update there no I just think I think we're moving into the window to, to borrow my favorite Apollo 13 line there it's getting bigger in the window the day I mean it's coming um and it was always going to be sometime in June and I think that um I don't think they're going to announce it while they're at spring meetings but I think it's going to it can come um 
you know, as early as the week after and by mid-June at the latest, I think something will happen there. No real – no new intel. I think Tennessee still feels like they did the best they could do in Cincinnati, Um, and and we'll see kind of where it goes from there. But but overall, I don't think there's any vibe from Tennessee that's taken a dramatic turn for the better or worse. I think they're kind of in the same thought process as where they were uh, when they left that meeting room uh, on the second floor of the Weston in Cincinnati. He is Brent Hubbs. All surprise, Rob Lewis. I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate all of you guys for tuning in and listening to us and watching us here on the VolQuest YouTube channel. It's the VolQuest uh, podcast presented by Exterior Home Solutions. If you need any type of home, grep, up, home upgrade, home solution, siding, roofing, decking, whatever the case may be, you can give them a call for a free quote today at 865-524-5888. A free estimate, 865-524-5888. That is Exterior Home Solutions. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to tune back in on Thursday for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. I hope everybody had a happy Memorial Day and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest.